Welcome to Benefits, What Like It's Hard? The podcast that breaks down the truths and misconceptions about all things benefits. Not only do we talk about what you should know about the benefits offered to you through your employer, but we also tackle topics on physical and financial wellness. I mean, come on, what more could you want from a podcast? Join me, Libby Allison, each week to hear from people just like you sharing their own experiences and experts giving us the inside scoop on the information we need to be successful. Hi, everyone. Today, we have Andrea Costa on the podcast. Hi, Andrea. Hi. Andrea is a newer employee at Haran, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. We're going to be talking about charitable giving, which I think is, um, you know, considering everything that's been going on and considering the time of year, it's the perfect topic to tackle right now. So thanks so much for being here, and let's just jump right in. Of course. Thanks. So again, my name is Andrea Costa. I'm the Vice President of Financial Planning at Horan. Um, I've been an estate planning attorney for almost a decade in the Cincinnati area, and I typically worked with business owners and high net worth families. So I really enjoyed that practice, and I'm going to be able to put a lot of that knowledge to use here at Horan, and I'm very excited to do that for many of the families and businesses that work with Horan. Um, it's important for me to note first that my comments today aren't legal advice because I am an attorney. Um, so it's important to always check with your financial advisor, accountant, or, att- or attorney to determine whether a particular strategy is going to be Im- appropriate for you. Um, every family and every business has unique goals and challenges and different asset mixes. So some of these are going to be great topics to discuss but you're going to need to get detailed advice from your advisors. Great. So where do we start today? So one of the exciting changes in 2020 um, that was actually prompted by the pandemic and is um, in the CARES Act is that everyone is now able to make what's called an above the line um, charitable cash deduction. So, For many people, especially after tax reform in 2017, um, it's much more likely that you're going to be just relying on what's called the standard deduction. So either you can use the standard deduction that everybody just gets, or you can itemize your deductions. But for a lot of people, it's just much easier to use the standard deduction because it's so generous right now. So for single people, the standard deduction is 12,400 for married people filing jointly, it's 24,800 and for head of household, it's about $18,000. So you get that automatically. So in many cases, it doesn't make sense for most people to um, itemize because they're not going to get to those very high and very generous standard deduction thresholds. But in 2020, Um, Congress did say that it's okay for everyone um, to take up to a $300 cash deduction. So if maybe last year you were disappointed when you filed um, and your charitable deduction didn't count because you had a standard deduction that was more um, generous to you on your tax return, um, you should still be making those um, cash payments to charities and keeping your receipts because it will probably help you this year. So that's one exciting change in 2020 that I wanted to make sure that I brought to everybody's attention 
especially because the charities are so in need of our cash contributions right now. Um, one of the other things to keep in mind too, for those of you that um, are funding IRAs and using IRAs. So although in 2020, there's no required minimum distribution, um, you could still take some money out of your IRA and distribute it to charity. So every year you can take what's called a qualified charitable distribution of up to $100,000. And the benefit of doing that is um, that when you're looking at the variety of assets that you have available to you, um, retirement assets like IRAs, when you take money out of those to use it, it's subject to income tax. So you have to pay tax on those dollars. If instead you use those dollars to fulfill charitable intentions that you already have for the year, um, you're saving some tax because the charity isn't going to pay that income tax burden. So nobody pays the income tax burden. Um, so you're only able to do that up to $100,000, but for many people that's completely sufficient. Um, but that's something to consider doing as well. Can we take a step back for a second for those of us who have, for me personally, I don't think I've yeah, ever, sure. like when I go to do my taxes, I don't feel like I give enough. I mean, I'm young and I just don't have a lot to give, but I don't feel like I give enough to actually put anything on my, like when I do my taxes, to actually identify that I've given to charities. Um, should I be doing that? Like, can you explain those thresholds that you originally talked sure. about and what you should be thinking about when you do make a donation? Right, so in 2020, the rules are a little bit different because Congress is trying to encourage us all to be as charitable as possible, which I appreciate. Okay. Um, so in many years, it probably didn't make sense for you to go to your accountant with a big bin of charitable receipts for all the donations you made that year. The threshold for you um, would be $12,400. So unless you donate or have other deductions that would reach that threshold, then we're just going to automatically use that threshold and move on. We're not going to enter every single one of your receipts um, and try to itemize your deductions. But this year, it's still a good idea to keep that bin of receipts because you have up to $300 that you can still take in excess of that standard deduction. So that's really nice um, because otherwise, you know, it probably would have, it wouldn't have had a financial impact on you. So they are encouraging us to both be charitable and then sort of rewarding us for that by um, allowing us to take that cash deduction, even if we're not itemizing our deductions. So even if you don't get above that 12,400, they're still going to let you take that up to $300 off of your tax bill um, for a charitable donation. Okay. Some people sort of keep those in a drawer. I would definitely still bring those um, when you're getting your taxes prepared in April. Okay. I haven't even, this is good for me because I don't even keep those receipts. I just do it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm done. I did my good deed. But so for our listeners and for myself, mm -hmm. whenever I do that, I should be keeping my receipts and then giving them to whoever does my taxes. Right, you should do that. And um, one thing to keep in mind too, one of the 
one of the things that's different about millennials, but also kind of a good thing in this specific scenario is that um, younger generations don't typically pay in cash. So there is some kind of receipt bread tr crumb trail somewhere in your email account or maybe in your PayPal yeah. account that will show you those charitable donations that you made um, over the course of the year. So it would be a good idea sometime when you have some downtime over the holidays to just sort of peel through and think back, okay, what did I contribute to? And most people would be surprised at how much they've made as far as cash donations during the year. So try to corral those. And then um, when it comes time to filing your taxes, you can take advantage of that in 2020, which, which is both helpful to the charities because for some it stimulates us to give a little bit more um, and helpful for us because we're actually able to take that deduction when in most years we wouldn't be able to. Okay. To talk a little bit more about the qualified charitable distribution. Um, when I'm helping families that are high net worth, we, when we're working on charitable, um, charitable planning in particular, one of the assets that's of particular interest is the IRA. And again, the reason for that is because in the hands of a charity, there's no tax consequence associated with the IRA distributions. But in the hands of me or my heirs, there are income tax consequences. So if I were to take a dollar out of my IRA, for example, that's income taxable to me. And due to my age, it would probably trigger a penalty. But uh, And then if I were to pass away and, for example, leave my IRA to my sister, if she's pulling money out of it, she also has to pay income tax on those proceeds. So if I have other assets available that can take care of my family, and I have some um, inclination towards leaving some of my assets to charity, it makes very good sense to take a look at all of the assets available, particularly the retirement assets, and structure your estate plan in such a way that those retirement assets are what we use to fund the charitable piece of the puzzle. So that's at death. So we want to do that when we're um, setting up our estate plan. But while living, okay. uh, you're also able to take that qualified charitable distribution. And if there are dollars you want to give to charity during the year, you can give them out of your IRA. Now, this is for older taxpayers that would have to pay um, required minimum distributions. We don't want our younger taxpayers doing this because you should be building up your IRA. Um, but for yeah. those that are in such a position that the required minimum distribution is not necessary, but triggers income tax for them, um, we are often counseling them to take that distribution and direct it to charity. In 2020, there's no required minimum distribution. So um, that's not that big of a deal, but um, clients can still make those qualified charitable distributions um, and fulfill their charitable intentions and save a little tax at the same time. So that's a really, really good strategy for a lot of people right now. And it's a pretty easy one to um, get done between now and the end of the year. Some of the charitable planning strategies, it's a little bit late to be um, <laughs> starting working on them, but it's a good idea to keep them in mind for next year as you start to put together your goals. Um, the other thing that can happen, um, one of the things that was very popular a while ago was to create what's called a family foundation. So then families would contribute um, 
cash to a family foundation and then make gifts out of that foundation to support various charitable endeavors um, over the years. So um, um, what's called a donor advised fund is actually a much more simple um, structure that does a lot of the same things. Um, and those accounts are very easy to set up. And what you can do if, for example, 2020 is a year that you're expecting a higher than usual tax burden. If a client has, let's say, $10,000 a year that they generally give to charity, um, you can clump together, if you have the cash available, um, several years worth of charitable um, gifts, put them in a donor advised fund, which gives you the deduction that you would get um, for giving it to charity right away. And then over the course of the coming years, you can make grants out of that donor advised fund to continue your normal um, habit of gifting. So let's say that I have a habit of gifting $10,000 a year to various charities in the area. Um, and I were to have an income tax event. So what that usually means is someone sold a company, someone retired, um, someone sold some kind of an asset as, at a huge gain. So it's usually a very good problem to have, but um, it also comes with a big income tax bill um, for 2020. So we like to take a look at that, figure out how much do we expect that income tax bill to be and if um, the client has the means to do that and the charitable intention, we have them fund a donor advised fund um, to counteract some of that increased income for the particular year. So in my prior example, let's say that I had, for whatever reason, a really big income tax year and I was going to pay $50,000 more than I usually do in income taxes in 2020. And every year I know I'm going to donate $10,000 to charity. And it would be lovely. <laughs> I have a lot of cash laying around that I can um, fund this donor advised fund with. So what I might choose is put $50,000 into a donor advised fund to counteract some of that increased income that I'm going to have to pay tax on in 2020, and then continue in the next several years to just make my normal gifts out of that donor advised fund. So those have been a very um, powerful strategy for many clients that are selling their businesses or retiring with some sort of um, package that generates a lot of tax for them in one year. Um, that's a really great way to save some money and then also make sure that um, you're just being strategic with your charitable dollars. Okay, great. One of the other things to consider um, for many of our clients that, you know, this is an election year too. <laughs> 2020 has been quite a doozy. So for those clients that um, may have estate tax issues, um, it's important to get with your advisor as soon as possible to see if there are um, any tra charitable transactions that may be helpful to you as well. So there's a wide variety of charitable trusts that might also provide a deduction and also move some assets to the next generation in a tax efficient way. So um, just to go over the landscape right now in the estate tax world, um, right now, uh, 
is the most generous that the US government has ever been as far as an estate tax exemption for high net worth individuals. So a married couple um, that are US citizens are entitled to take um, 11.58 million each and they can exclude that amount from any estate tax that they might owe when they pass away. And that number changes based on inflation. So every year there's a, there's a schedule and they adjust it a little bit, um, but not very much. Now, um, that number is scheduled to um, change, reduce in 2025. So for the past several years, many high net worth clients have been planning for that, that change in the law. But um, the election has made that a little bit more of a dramatic look at what are we doing here and how can we be um, more intentional with our estate planning. So um, the Biden tax plan called for that amount to be reduced to $3.5 million each. So married couples would have a total of 7 million. So that's a pretty big difference from about 23 million to 7 million. So right. there are a surprising number of families in that situation that are now trying to make plans um, based on a potentially dramatic decrease in the credit available. Um, there are some charitable strategies that are very effective. So um, clients that are very interested in um, providing funds to charity now and then possibly leaving assets to family once they pass away could consider what's called a charitable lead annuity trust. What that does is it allows interest payments to be made every year to charity from a trust. So let's say I put um, a million bucks in a charitable lead trust, and then I want 2% to go to charity every year. Um, that's sufficient. So right now we have very, very low interest rates. So the interest rate that you use to calculate all the stuff associated with these transactions is only 0.4%, which is very, very, very low. <laughs> um, so if we were to use 2% and send 2% to the charity every year, um, all we have to send is 0.4%. So the charity's getting a lot of money. Ordinarily, if we're investing those dollars over the course of time, we would get a rate of return conservatively around 4%. So that means that my million bucks is growing at 4%. I'm only sending 2% to charity. And then the growth at the end could go to my family. So that's a very um, powerful way to move money through the generations for those individuals that are high net worth. So those are things that high net worth individuals should be talking about with their estate planning attorneys and with their financial advisors. Um, those are extremely complicated um, solutions to extremely complicated problems. So um, Googling around is really not a good idea in that area. Um, it's good to find qualified experts to surround you and help you with those choices. Um, but that's just sort of a, a taste for some of the things that we do with our families is evaluating what their charitable goals are. Are their goals right now? So do I wanna be giving away money while I'm living? Or are my goals more at the end of my life? Would I like to leave a pot of money for my family to learn to be charitable like I have been and make grants out of it? So a lot of parents like that idea too. So we talked to them about 
what their preferences are, what kinds of charities they like to support, um, what impact they want to see in the community and what impact they want to see on their children. Um, a lot of business owners, when we do all the math and we tell them how much their children stand to inherit, especially business owners that are first generation will say, well, gosh, that's a lot of money. I didn't have that. And um, think, you know what, maybe they only need this much money to survive, but I'm going to send this much to um, a charitable vehicle. And then they can learn how to give it away and evaluate grant requests and um, become better people by being connected to the charitable community. So that's something that's very, very interesting for many families and, and we help counsel them through that process. So if someone is, you know, looking at setting something up like this or needing some advice, where can they go to find someone at Haran? Well, our financial planning group is very good at modeling these and starting the conversation. Um, we're also very good at working with other advisors that would be surrounding a family. So families like this, they typically will have an estate planning attorney, maybe a business attorney, and certainly a CPA. Um, so one of the things that I really enjoy is getting the team together and making sure everyone's on the same page and feels confident in sharing their opinion and their thoughts on a particular client situation. Um, you know, Haran, we have great ideas and great advice, but we work really well with others in the community because we feel that the team approach is always going to give our client the solution. Because if we're working well with other, other advisors, we're going to get diverse ideas and be able to come to a consensus on how, how to proceed forward best for the client. So um, you can start that conversation with your other advisors. You could start that conversation with your investment advisor at Haran or with one of the financial planners. Um, but always try to make sure that the whole team is on the same page. I think that's really important. Okay, good to know. Um, anything else around charitable giving that we need to know? Hmm. Well, I know that charities are very in need of your donations. Um, I'm very connected in the arts community, particularly here in Cincinnati. So those of us that have had tickets, if there's a possibility of allowing the nonprofit to keep those funds and you're all right with it and it's within your budget, I would encourage you to do it. Um, many of our artists in particular are having a very hard time. So that's one thing that you can do. Um, you would want to then probably ask them to consider that a donation and maybe give you a letter to show it. That way you would have it for your tax return because again, everybody has that, that ability to give up to $300, $300 in a cash donation this year, which is um, pretty exciting. So I think that um, 2020 is a year where um, more people are going to be actively engaged in the charitable planning process because everybody's going to be able to take that deduction. So I think that's a good thing. Um, I really do think that it makes sense for folks to understand how to give intentionally. So how to give in a way that not only helps the charities that are close to your heart, but is strategic for you too. So certainly if you have a choice between giving away a dollar that is going to trigger income tax for you if you keep it, let's give away that dollar instead of a dollar that doesn't have any tax effects. You use those right. for shopping. 
<laughs> um, but so helping them decide not only how to channel their charitable attention, but how to fund it appropriately. That's one of the things I really like about my role. Okay. Awesome. I think that this was really helpful just to get the conversation started. I mean, even for me mm -hmm. to think about the donations that I've given this year and in the, even like going forward, just to be more conscious of how that can benefit me, not just the charities that I'm donating to. So I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your knowledge. Um, I always love learning something new. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. See you next time. Nothing we say in this podcast is representative of any specific plan and should not be construed as legal, regulatory, or accounting advice. If there is any discrepancy between what we say and your plan document, your plan document will always